All right. Hi, everybody. My name is Luke Thomas. As you can see, my other microphone just literally, literally before we got on the air just died. Listen. Check, check, check. Check, check, check. Yeah, it's a little different, right? Uh, okay, but I've got a backup, and the backup is working, at least for now. Uh, my name is Luke Thomas. I am the host of The Luke Thomas Show on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Information for that is in the description box. I'm the host, uh, one of the hosts anyway of Morning Combat. It's a Showtime digital program. That is in the link for that is in the uh, description box below as well. This is my UFC 248 post-fight special. We're going to get to results. We're going to get to analysis. We're going to get to your questions. Please, 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 please subscribe now. Donate in the super chat if you'd like to get one of your questions answered. Um, if you don't want any spoilers, now's the time to go. Without further ado, let's get things started, shall we? All right, and I'm going to put just like a double subscribe thing up there. Please, by all means, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Uh, do all that you can. I have to hold my microphone for this goddamn thing. We'll go about an hour tonight, and uh, that should be fun. But subscribe, please. And uh, if you want to get a question answered, you can donate in the Super Chat. I'll get to that towards the end. All right. With that in mind, let me take a sip of my rot gut drink. All right. Let's get to these results, shall we? What an event. Hmm. That was unexpected, was it not? <laughs> um, wow. All right. UFC 248 took place at the T-Mobile Arena in Paradise, Nevada. Technically Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, in your main event, in your main event, Israel Adesanya defeats Yoel Romero to win on the judges' scorecards 48-47, 48-47, 49-46. Honestly, I could have seen that fight really go either way. Um I probably would have leaned Adesanya. I think I would have leaned Adesanya, but um, what a weird-ass fight that was. Jesus Christ. We're talking about a couple of rounds where, or at least I think maybe even three, where at least one fighter had landed in the single digits. A Not at all what anyone was expecting, I think. Well, maybe some were, but I don't think that was the prevailing wisdom. The wisdom was not... The thought was... If Adesanya was going to win, maybe it could go the distance, but you thought he might win inside the distance. You thought if Romero had a chance, it absolutely had to go uh, short. It couldn't have gone the whole thing because you would have thought, well, his gas tank wouldn't hold up. He'd have to, you know, if he's going to get it done against a guy as crafty as Adesanya, he's going to have to get it done inside the distance. Instead, it goes the distance. It goes the distance in a way where you didn't get really the best of Adesanya. You didn't get the best of Romero. You didn't really get the best showcase of the middleweight division. Um, Jesus Christ, that was a weird one. Let's start with Adesanya because he's your winner, and uh, I'm fine with that. I don't really have an issue with it. Uh, you guys know I've been a big believer in him, and nothing about that changes. But I got a feeling that there's going to be a lot of pushback from him. I, I'm reading from reports in Las Vegas, Ryan McKinnell, one of my colleagues at SiriusXM, was reporting that people were walking out during the main event, um, and you could hear audibly the boos that were happening there. It, to me, feels like a mix of two different things. Um, it feels like a mix of, one, 
some of the pushback that Adesanya received after he beat Silva. Right, you'll recall after that you had people tweeting out, "Oh, I think Chris Weidman was like he's super overrated, and um, he's not that guy. And uh, for a guy who's supposed to be super technical, um, how could you? How come you can't beat somebody who, in that case, was you know over the hill, Anderson Silva, or in this case, maybe he's over the hill age wise, but you know he's not supposed to be the kind of striker that Adesanya is. How come you can't get it done? So I'm seeing shades of that, and I'm also seeing a little bit of the kind of pushback. Anderson Silva received was at UFC 97 when he fought Demi and Maya uh, in Abu Dhabi, and that was different. Where you thought maybe Adas, or excuse me, maybe Silva's playing around, or what was he doing, or you know, you just felt like Maya was really overmatched. So it doesn't match that. But this moment where you're like, well, if this guy is really as good as everyone says he is, and he's the next big thing. Why did he put us through this incredibly boring affair? where he just is basically giving a middle finger to the audience, right? So it's a little bit of the, it's it's sort of threading that needle in both of those directions from the fan response. I think the rational response, well, I'll, actually, let me back up. I don't want to be, I don't want to be difficult about this. Let me say this. If you paid money to go to this event, you probably had higher expectations for this. I think that's probably fair to say. If you paid money on pay-per-view or you went to a bar tonight or, or however you took this in, you probably were expecting something a little bit more dramatic than what you got. And so in the sense that you felt like Adesanya didn't hold up, and, and Romero perhaps, I don't know how you're slicing that, but that they didn't hold up their end of the bargain to give what you paid for, I think you have a right to feel a little bit like that was a sort of, from, look, from an entertainment standpoint, you can't say anything other than that was probably a bit of a letdown. On the other hand, this is why all that stuff, like, look, the weigh-ins are fun, but they're usually just for show. And all the media that these guys do ahead of time, um, it's fun and it's interesting, and maybe they believe half the things they say or even more than that, but a lot of it's just for show. At the end of the days, at the end of the day, excuse me, it's, it's an X's and O's consideration. It is chess. And my feeling was Adesanya took a long look at the damage that Whitaker incurred over the course of 10 rounds with that beast. And he realized, you can fight this guy a certain way, but you might come out the other end, even if you get your hand raised, not being able to perform the way you had been before. And so he took an approach that was very cautious. You heard the language that Adesanya employed prior to the Silva fight, being like, I know about all his tricks, I know about all his traps, all this hand stuff, and then laying back against the uh, laying back against the fence. I'm not going to buy into that. And folks use that to say, you know, this is a guy who can't beat elite well or uh, middleweights at the time because he'd only beaten you know like the Vittori's and you know those are good fighters too, Brad Tavares, but not like the top of the food chain. In any event, you're going to get some of that here this time. They're going to say, you know, even if this guy's the champion, you couldn't beat a guy because he only took him down or tried to take him down, what, two, three times and was not really successful in any of those ventures. Really all those t- – we'll talk about the takedowns in just a second. But in any event, sticking, sticking with Adesanya, um, I think that if, you, if you're disappointed in what happened because you had a higher entertainment quotient and you laid down your good, hard-earned money for it, I really won't – I won't say anything about that. I really – I don't think it's fair to – you know, the fans make a bit of a bargain with you, right? The bargain is, hey, man, I'm going to plunk this down uh, because it's a fist fight. I'm expecting that there's going to be some level of reward for this money. But the reality is if you're Adesanya, 
there are going to be certain cases, as long as he's winning, where he's going to play it. He's going to play it safe. He's going to play it safe. He's not going to take undue risks against people who are vi- and the, I think the like what would be the common denominator between Silva and Romero? The age, I suppose, but more than that, they're very different fighters. Even post prime, they're different fighters. In the case of Silva, I don't know if he would. I don't even know what stage Romero's in because he just defies all the odds. But I guess what I would say is, in the case of uh, trying to find the common denominator, I would argue that it's you get this real um, unusualness. They don't buy into certain rhythms. They're not out there like, you know, Whitaker was like really attacking, attacking. These guys are a little bit more reserved. They kind of pull back. They wait their turn. And it's that waiting, I think, that really throws uh, or takes away the more dynamic forms of Adesanya's offense. You know, Whitaker was actually in many ways a great matchup for Adesanya because he's showing you all of his offense right away, right away. And so if you felt like you could get a beat on it, and he did, uh, you know, he dropped him at the end of the first round and then, of course, stopped him in, in, in the middle of the second. But these guys who, like, hold back, you know, they pull back a little bit and then they wait and then they explode, but then they wait and then they wait. That, what I think, it's not that Adesanya can't, it's not that Adesanya can't lead that dance striking. I think he can. I think you've seen that in a lot of different cases. But against some of the better talent, I think in a lot of times what he likes to do is play a little bit of a counterpuncher or... He likes to get you to react and then react around that, right? I mean, Adesanya's got certain skills. He's got certain punches he he particularly prefers. He's got certain kinds of kicks that he prefers. He's got certain stances, certain entries he prefers. And he wraps it all in a lot of feints and camouflage. And so what the whole idea behind that is is to get you to react to it. And then once he gets a read on what the reactions are, to then build offense behind that. Well, what if they don't react? <laughs> I mean, you got to give Romero credit, right? Because, like, the first two, three rounds, well, shit, most of the fight, but especially the first two, three rounds, he wasn't biting on any of the feints. Remember how he started the fight? Just not reacting to anything. You saw you saw Adesanya changing angles, coming in and out. He's hip fainting. He's shoulder fainting. He's doing the whole nine yards. And uh, Romero's not biting on any of it. Like that, like that, that slows Adesanya's game to a halt. You can say that that like might be a weakness in his game, but the reality is like it's hard to take advantage of that too because the other people aren't throwing back. It brings Adesanya's offense down, but it doesn't actually make him vulnerable. You know, not much. A little bit here and there. He obviously got caught with that first punch in the in the first round. But so that to me is the common denominator, man. You get these guys who are like very reserved, very tricky, you know, very crafty with their timing, with their openings. They don't really react to all the normal stuff. They like to set their own kind of unusual traps. They don't throw a lot out there. That that brings Adesanya's uh, offense down. And, uh, you know, I can imagine that um, sort of like, you know, egging the crowd on is not going to necessarily win him any favors. I- I'll just say this, man. Look, people are uh, – humans are rational for the most part, and especially elite prize fighters in the case of Romero and certainly in the case of Adesanya, which is to say he's going to respond to the set of incentives in front of him. And the set of incentives in front of him basically dictate that um, – uh, 
there was a way to beat Romero without taking a ton of damage, and it might require boring people and fans who paid good money and potentially some damage to his stock as an attraction, but that ultimately uh, that's a cost he's willing to pay because the other costs associated with fighting Romero in a different way are much greater long-term. I'll just say this, though. Look, again, I'm not going to police people being unhappy with the way the fight went. It w- what am I going to sit here and get up and say? It was an exciting fight? It wasn't an exciting fight. It was, there, was not, it was, there was a lot of tension, I think, for certain parts of it, but it, it was not an exciting fight. Like if, if that's what the main event was you were waiting for, you're going to leave having not had your expectations met. On the other hand, I would really strongly caution you, strongly caution you, not to say that uh, this main event is is above criticism, far from it. Rather, what I would strongly encourage you not to do is to read too much into it and to say, oh, Adesanya is not that good. You know he's that good. You already know he's that good, which doesn't mean the next guy won't beat him, doesn't mean Bohashina won't beat him, but that you know he's that good. Or that he can't become a star. Dude, I remember distinctly after uh, after um, Silva fought Maya and Dana was fucking livid at the post-fight press conference. And people at home were like, fuck this guy. He ain't shit. They're promoting him as somebody he's not. Toying with the audience. Disrespectful. Unprof- I mean, go look at what people were saying about Anderson Silva following UFC 197. Do you know... When Silva uh, turned things around after that, like when things like clicked all of a sudden, the very next fucking fight, he then turned around at UFC 101 and fought Forrest Griffin up a weight class and demolished him, right? So you went from this like extreme of Anderson Silva is unprofessional, overrated, not a sportsman, blah, blah, blah all the way to, oh my God, he's the second coming of Jesus. And of course, neither of those were correct. But the point being is I, there, you get fast turnarounds in the sport. So if you didn't enjoy the main event, neither, neither did I. But I would strongly advise you to not overextend the analysis into Adesanya's not that good or he can't be a star. There is way too much evidence outside of this fight, to actually indicate that he could. In breaking down some of the particulars of the fight, let's talk about some of the... Um, here we go. We have to add an hour with daylight saving times. Daylight savings time tonight. It's going to be fucking miserable for your boy tomorrow. Um, the takedowns were interesting. You had thought that the takedowns would happen on occasion because... At distance, and this was really the fault of Romero, he had to know at distance he might get lucky a couple times. Not even lucky. He's going to land his own shots here and there because he's got some competencies as a striker, right? He's got good timing. He's got good reflexes. He's got very good defense, especially at kicking range. He's got like surprisingly good defense, uh, at least around the, uh, like the upper body. You thought he might get a few more takedowns in, not because he's good at controlling people, because he's not. He's not very good at controlling people. We went over this. I had Frank Hickman, which is uh, the head wrestling coach of Tiger Muay Thai, and he's the assistant wrestling coach of Adesanya, and I think a, a wrestling coach over at City Kickboxing. 
and he we had talked about this on on Thursday, I think, on my show, which was, you know, there's a and you guys know this already. There's a big difference between freestyle and folk style. Freestyle is the style that they wrestle in the Olympics, um, that Romero came up in, and then there's folk style. Folk style is where you get a lot of, you know, you get the referee's position where you get top and bottom, and you got to wrestle out, and you, you you have to you learn how to ride a guy, learn how to escape, and um, Romero just didn't really grow up with that. And so he's not very good at controlling people on the ground. And it's also labor intensive. Like Habib's got really good cardio. In any event, or, yeah, he's got, well, yes, he, I, I, he's got pretty good cardio anyway. Enough to make the style work. Um, but you thought, well, he, Romero might attempt more takedowns in an effort to just get close and then force a scramble and then in the scramble bomb on him with punches. And you saw a little bit of that. A little bit of that, but not much. I thought Romero might do a little bit more from that. So that's like the other part of Adesanya, which was he's not throwing that much because he's kind of put off by people who are reserved. But then the people who are reserved are also watching Adesanya go left, right, changing stances, fainting, coming in, coming out, landing a leg kick, exiting. And so they kind of get nullified a little bit too. It actually just brings the whole fight to a bit of a, not a halt exactly, but certainly slows the whole thing down. In any event, like Adesanya had one really good sprawl, one really good down block that he stopped. He got one where he got run over, and then I think he got hit on the way up, and then a third one where he had good takedown defense and then got out of the way of anything after that. So it was I think it was the first one that Romero got that was pretty good. Second one went nowhere. Third one went, you know, half and half. Let me pull up the uh, fight metric stats if I can because that will tell us uh, these are unofficial but they're going to be helpful. Like, I, w- I want to see these numbers because that was not a super eventful fight, right? Let's see what they say. All right, so here are the numbers for this fight. Man, low. Adesanya landed two of 11 strikes in the first round. Romero, four of six. Adesanya 11 of 29 in the second. He picked it up there. 7 of 14 for Romero. No takedown attempts in either of those. Round three, Adesanya 12 of 30. Um, Still no takedown attempts there from Romero. He got 9 of 14. Adesanya 11 of 33 in the fourth round. Romero 6 of 22, 0 for 2 on takedown attempts. And then the last round's kind of interesting. 12 of 29 for Adesanya, uh, Romero, 14 of 33, 0 for 1 on takedown attempts. Um, By target, 29% to the head for Adesanya, 50 for Romero. About the same to the body, 18% for Adesanya, 17 for Romero. And then this was the big difference in terms of um, where they both succeeded, 52% to to the leg for Adesanya, just 32 for Romero. That's interesting. So essentially, Romero took the first and fifth, maybe, and Adesanya took rounds two through four. But I could see people giving rounds one and two to Romero, and then three, four, and five to Adesanya. Boy, that's an interesting one because I know people are pissed off about the forty-nine, forty-six. I've been over my whole methodology on scoring a million times. Um, it's not how I scored it, certainly. But you have to so you have to ask yourself: Could you squint and find four different rounds? 
depending on what you saw, what you understood, what your biases are consciously or otherwise, based on your positioning in the particular cage, based on what was available to you in terms of uh, sort of interpreting all that in real time, could you squint and see four rounds? Now, I, I, I did not score four rounds for him, and I'm assuming most of you did not as well. But I could understand how somebody could could potentially come to that, and you could say, oh, "Look, that's stupid. It is stupid, but it's that's the scoring criteria that we have, right? It provides an extraordinary degree of latitude where um, you can get things like this. I mean, the question you have to ask yourself is, what is the one round you could just not possibly score for Adesanya? Round one, right? There's no way you could score that for him. On on what possible basis could you score that for him? Zero. Could you potentially score round two? Yes. Three, yes. Four, yes. Five, I suppose. I suppose. So that's where it gets a little dicey. That's where it gets a little dicey. Um, That sucked. That was not a great fight, unfortunately. Um, So I'll just say this. If... You know, well, I'm happy to answer any questions you might have about it, and we can talk more about it. The only point, I said it before, I'm going to say it one more time. Please do not be that guy or that lady who goes out of here and says, Adesanya is not that good, or Adesanya can't be a star. I have, I have seen this movie before. I know how it ends. It doesn't end that way. There's too much. There are, there's evidence to conclude that in certain matchups, Adesanya is not exactly risk averse, but he's going to manage it very, very carefully. Um, but there's even more evidence to suggest that Adesanya is an extraordinary generational talent who, depending on the matchup, can be as dynamic as you imagine him to be. And the reason why you were excited for this fight in the first place. Um, so the question is, like, will you get that with Bohashinya? Will you get that with, you know, whoever? Bohashinya is going to get in his face, you know. So yet that one's going to be. I, don't, I mean, <clears throat> you have to ask yourself, how would Adesanya versus Romero? Excuse me. How would Adesanya versus Bohashinya not be action packed? And you might say, well, we thought this fight was going to be action packed. Fair enough. But you also knew that Romero fought in spurts. So you knew that there might be times when there might be lulls, but you thought it would be counterbalanced by way more action. Dude, show me when show me when Bohashinya takes his foot off the gas ever. I mean, that dude is just fucking balls to the wall the whole time with that particular style. So that just to me, again, we're speaking about probabilities here, lends itself to that. And I know I know I know what the critics are gonna say about what I'm saying, which is, oh Luke, you're a homer for Adesanya and fucking Yes. Like, I'm a big believer in his abilities, and I'm going to probably view them in a more charitable light than some internet critics. Fine, guilty as charged. But I do believe that over time, I mean, if he loses in his next fight, this is not a thing that would that will bear itself out. But provided he wins, I think what you're going to see is that, yes, there are going to be times that you're not going to get the best out of him in terms of the excitement of his style and that the upper bound possibility about what it offers. Uh, on the other hand, in general, you're going to mostly get that. And that the idea that that kind of thing is limiting as a star factor is simply not true. Um, yeah, if that was the case every time, yeah, maybe. But it's really not. I mean, the guy just came off a dynamic performance against Robert Whitaker, and then had this one that was not particularly exciting. But you know, he also is not going to have his career altered as a consequence of this fight. You know. 
But still, 48 strikes landed for Adesanya. He threw 132. He landed, let me go through these a little bit. He landed 40 against Whitaker, and that was a round and a half. He landed 109 against Gastelum. He landed 65 in three rounds against Silva. 13 against Brunson, but that was inside the first. Tavares, 119, that was five. Marvin Vittori was three, landed 57, and then uh, he landed 52 against uh, Wilkinson. So this is not aggregately the lowest amount he's ever landed. He landed 40 against Whitaker, but he landed 40 against Whitaker in around in, um, three minutes. He landed 48 over the course of five, so I think it's his lowest output per, probably per minute, per round perhaps. So, yeah. There you have it. Interesting. Uh, all right, let's go on to the co-main event. We'll come back to this if you have questions. Uh, what is this? Someone's bitter at me. Uh, no. Sorry. Uh, okay. Well, for inasmuch as the main event might have not lived up to expectations, I, I will tell you that the co-main event exceeded them in every capacity imaginable. So here is the result first. Uh, I'm going to mispronounce her name, so please forgive me. Probably both of them I'm mispronouncing. Um, Zhang, Zhang Wiley defeats Ioanni and Jacek, uh, 48-47, 47-48, 48-47, which is to say, in the case of the main event, it was a unanimous decision. In the case of the co-main, it was a, a split. Devastating loss for Ioanni and Jacek. I, I have to tell you, boys and girls watching this, I'm not a fan, personally, of Ioanni and Jacek. Um, I had an interaction with her in a professional context where, you know, I did not come away with a favorable impression of her as a person. And when I say not a favorable, I am being very euphemistic in my language and I'm being very nice because I could say a lot worse things, but I'll say this. That is irrelevant because what is relevant is she fought like an absolute animal tonight. There's no way to watch what either of those ladies did in the case of Zhang or Joanna, and to come across or to come to come away with any other feeling than enormous honor to have been able to watch that fight in real time and to know what they sacrificed on the altar of athletic glory. And more importantly, we can get to this over time, but I, I, you know, you, you want to be very careful about declaring things the night of. But there's a strong case to be made, at least from early impressions, that that might be the best women's fight in UFC history, potentially MMA. Um, and certainly the best women's title fight in UFC history. Certainly the best uh, strawweight fight in UFC history. I mean, there's a lot of things where, even if you don't want to grant it the best of all time in any, with the only qualifier being gender, Okay, maybe we don't maybe maybe we don't want to go that far tonight just to be safe. But there's so many other things you can say positively about it. I scored it for Juana, but again, I very much recognize a hard fight to call. Could have gone a lot of either ways, and this was the way I had this is the way I thought that this one might go, which is I thought, okay, what is what is Juana really good at and where did, has she struggled? 
She struggled in places. Well, okay, here's what she's good at. She's good at sticking behind the jab when she needs it. She can go backwards and forwards with it, but like putting you at the end of it. Um, and it, not merely the jab, but also the leg kick and jab combo, right? They sort of act in unison a little bit together, and she needs space to move. So if you give her space to move and she's pumping the jab, that's a really bad sign for her opponent. And early on, you saw a lot of that, plus the right hand was landing for her. Um, she was just looking phenomenal early. And then um, Zhang Wiley kind of turned the table a little bit, got in her face, began to exchange, and you saw that Joanna had a little bit of difficulty with the defense. She was being baited into these exchanges. But there was something kind of interesting happening too, which was she completely abandoned it. Whoever was in her corner and told her to stop doing it was – I don't know who it was because obviously I don't speak Chinese. But if you noticed, one thing, two things set – Zhang Wiley apart from a lot of different opponents that that Yuani and Jacek had. One was the physicality of her at the weight class, and that especially leads into the wrestling. She's very good, Zhang Wiley, of like go back to the Tisha Torres fight, where she'll throw you one way, you plant, and then she'll take the back, or she'll trip you one way and then like hammer you to the floor. Very, very physical athlete. And she can, you know, not not just strong. But like, there's a real dynamic athleticism with it, where you can change direction and change the planes of fighting. She's very, very good like that. So you thought, wow, that might be something there too. Obviously, she's experienced. That was important. Um, but I, I, I think the the other part that she was sort of up against here was, or so the other part that made her unique was that she had these spinning attacks, spinning back fists, a lot of turning back kicks, a lot of spinning back kicks. Right, a lot of things like that. She was using them in the first, maybe the second round. I have to go back and watch. But the key there was every time she did it, you want to read it, would get out of the way, and then use that to take center again. And uh, so uh, Zhang Wai Li was giving away center position in the cage a lot. And that's not something against Yuana. You can just, you know, just give away, right? Because you got to get in her face. You got to get her backing up. When she's stationary, and we're talking relatively speaking here, obviously, but when she's stationary, and in the case of like, you look at the two Nami Yunus fights and the Shevchenko fight, Shevchenko was up a weight class, but let's just focus on the Nami Yunus fight. I said this before, I said this on yesterday's live chat, right? I said this on my radio show. Think about in your mind, what were the best strikes that Nami Yunus landed when you just think in your memory? What were the best strikes Nami Yunus landed? Um, that stand out to you, right, that you remember. They're all punches because either she was slipping the jab and countering or getting off first and not letting the jab get going and pushing her back that way. She gave Joanna a little bit more room, but the, they had an identical reach. The difference here was that there was a two-inch height disadvantage for Zhang and a two-inch reach disadvantage. So I was thinking to myself, that, I mean, the reality here is pretty clear. Right, we already know the conditions generally under which Joanna thrives, and then in particular, you've got a two-inch reach disadvantage and a height disadvantage. You're gonna have to overcome. So you knew she was gonna have to get in her face at times, and uh, there were times when she faded, and times when she pushed back, and there were times when she was very good at it, and there was times when Joanna was like, Joanna did a really good job closer to like the third and fourth and fifth rounds where she began to throw and then change angles and then continue the combo rather than continue a straight line. I have to say, I don't know who it was in her corner, uh, or maybe it was just her herself, Tijuana. I give her complete credit, uh, where she was able to go into a southpaw position beginning maybe second, third round. And you know what I noticed in the southpaw position? First of all, it's just a brand new look that she made Wiley Zhang 
adapt to. But then beyond that, I noticed her defense was better there. She was good about slipping off the center line when she threw. Uh, that she wasn't exactly doing from the, from the conventional uh, stance. Um, in either case, dude, you know, show that show that fight to people who say women's fighting couldn't be exciting, or that um, you know it's not on par with the men's. And yeah, it's different, right? I mean, they throw this extraordinary amount of strikes, and they couldn't sit each other down. In part because they have incredible chins, and in part also because you know they can't generate the force of Derek Lewis. But you know, when you think about why you watch MMA. I mean, there could be many fights that tell you why you watch MMA, but that is going to be one on the on high on the list, right? You've got a super skilled, technical fighter in Yoani and Jacek who maximized her athletic gifts, which are great cardio, um, tough as shit, um, good vision. But when I say rehearsed, I don't mean like robotic, but I mean like, you know, she can pull them out when she needs to very quickly. Comp- rehearsed combinations, an understanding of spacing and timing, um, somebody who's seen all different kinds of looks from all different kinds of opposition, who can make adjustments, who can who can fight fire with fire when she needs to even a little bit. And in another case, you, uh, you have this woman, Zhang Wiley, who's just this physical powerhouse, who I think was technically a little bit overmatched, uh, but had a good physical advantage. And when there were moments... Oh, my kid woke up. And there are moments when, um, oh, my kid's crying. I can hear it. My wife will be all of it. Um, okay, yeah, wife's getting her. Um, and when, when she needed to lean on that physicality, not as a crutch, but as an aid, she did, and then showed... Um, she could be more disciplined and more tactical in her approach to the course of five rounds. Uh, and then and then at some point, it's just like, who's got enough dog in them? And frankly, I don't think, you know, I mean, both at times took a step backwards, literally. But mentally, did either of those ladies take a step backwards tonight? Like, not even close, dude. Not even close. It was an unbelievable contest. An unbelievable contest to the point where I know when Adesanya Romero started, people were like, fuck, can I, I need, dude, you needed a cigarette after that fight. I don't even smoke and you needed a cigarette, you know? It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And so I just have a tremendous amount of respect as a competitor for Zhang Wiley. I have a tremendous amount of respect as a competitor for Ioani and Jacek. Again, I thought she won. You could go either way on that one. Um, but I don't think, you know, I'm not like looking at this like, well, a bit of a robbery. Like, not even, you know, Zhang Wiley is a deserving champion. It's just you felt you felt like when they were reading those scorecards, especially when they ran the first two and you knew it was a split, it was going to be a devastating loss for uh, the person who came up short in this particular case, Ioani and Jacek. You know, what was funny too was that they they fought through – just an extraordinary amount of or extraordinary amount of physical punishment, you know, a bit like um, no pun intended, but a bit like Chinese water torture, where they, again they don't have like Derek Lewis power, but the accumulated effect on the forehead of Ioana, swelling it up, making her look like the Elephant Man, and then uh, in the case of in the case of um, Zhang Wiley, now she. I thought it was going to get worse than it did. 
because her face was getting banged up a little bit early with the jabs and then the rights. And then I thought her, was it her right eye, got puffy very early. But her corner seemed to control it. It seemed to get better as the fight went on. Not better, but it didn't seem to get... um, The rate of escalation of how bad the damage was did not seem to keep going. So I just can't say enough good things about about either as a competitor, man. They really we we all kind of knew this was going to be an interesting one, but the fact that they did what they did to each other and that neither relented, you know, the kind of fight where both end up going to the hospital. Um, Tulsi Gabbard, <laughs> you know, she ain't winning. She's not, you know, she's not on any debate stage anytime soon, but she'll show up on a UFC pay per view. That's funny. Um, in the corner of Zhang Wiley, I know she had tra- done, done, done some training with uh, Duke Rufus, and of course was instrumental in. Helping uh, Shane Wiley with her visa situation. In any event, um, there's just not a lot of fighters, male or female, who can do what they did. I don't mean just right now. I mean like at any point in MMA's history. That is one. I mean, they inducted tonight, uh, or at least they announced they were going to induct tonight, John Jones and Alexander Gustafson for getting into the UFC Hall of Fame for their fight, which, fine, you utterly deserved uh, is there any doubt in your mind that this won't go in the Hall of Fame? You know, and I said this before about women's straw weight. It's not really that these two individual fighters are just so marvelous and what they did tonight was so special. All, all of that is true, but I would add a, 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 a degree of nuance on top of that, which is um, show me any other champion. Great, we're only talking about two more weight classes beyond this one, but Show me any other champion and any other contender pair in any other weight class in women's MMA that gets you that. Women's straw weight is just a phenomenally strong, powerful weight class, utterly stacked in every way. And that was such a shining example of it. And then to get the nice matchup where you had, you know, not quite the physical powerhouse that Joanna was, but a little bit more technically adept and versatile, let's say, relative to Zhang Wiley, who's very technically strong herself, but a little bit better as a physical athlete, and how they met in the middle, and how they traded momentums, and how they kept putting it on each other. And you know, when Chael Sonnen talks about the weight of five-round fights and what it does to people and how it can potentially change careers, it's an unfortunate reality you kind of have to accept. I think he's been very, very right about that from day one. Uh, but at the same time, the drama that you see over the course of 25 minutes, obviously with the, so let's say 30 with a the, with the minute in between, is it's unparalleled. It's unparalleled. There's nothing quite like it. So for me, uh, you know, there's a question of like, what were the numbers on that one too, by the way? Because it looked to me like Zhang Wiley was just banging her to the face a lot more. Um, let's see. Yeah, so the numbers on that one, 165 strikes landed for Wiley Zhang, 186 for Ioana and Jacek. Uh, plus, she got one takedown, uh, Wiley Zhang did, right? Yeah. She attempted five in the second round and got one. I mean, listen to these numbers. They each landed 30 in the first. Uh, 32 to 20 for Ioana in the second. They each landed 38 in the third. They each landed 40 in the fourth. They had three rounds where they each identically tied each other in terms of the number of strikes landed. And then in the fifth round, 37 strikes for Wiley Zhang, 46 for Yuana. Yeah, I thought Yuana took it. But there is that there is that um, takedown in the second. And then let's look at the distribution. Wiley Zhang, 58% to the head, 6% to the body. 
uh, and then 35% to the leg. She was really kind of leaning on that power to pop. You know, there's a certain more visible damage. It's not really if the eye swells or if her cut appears, but it's like, you know, again, we went over this uh, with the Reyes and the Jones fight, right? Where you pop someone to the body. If they've got a good poker face, it's hard for the judge to know exactly what that meant. You snap someone's head back, everyone can see that. And then for Ioana, she had a little bit clearer distribution, 51% to the head, 17% to the body, 31% to the leg. Um, wow, man. What a fight between these two. So Wiley Zhang threw 305 strikes. She missed a lot. And Ioana threw 230s for a combined 535 strikes. Can you fucking believe that? <laughs> I mean, you, you have to laugh at how amazing that is. That is shocking. Shocking. Um, actually, no, I'm, I'm underselling it. That was just significant strikes. Sorry. Total strikes. 413 attempted for Wiley Zhang. 370 for a total of 783 attempted strikes. 783. Wow. I don't know if that's a record. I don't know where that stands, but that's got to be very close to the top of the list about what the kind of things you see in a UFC or MMA cage at any point in time. That is astronomically high, dude. They never once took their foot off the fucking gas. In fact, Joanna attempted 79 strikes, which was the she, she attempted 79 in the fourth round. Those are the two highest attempt totals that she had in her fourth and fifth rounds. She was pressing the gas pedal, dude, pressing it. And Wiley Zhang was doing the same thing, too. My God, listen to the output from Wiley Zhang. This is attempted significant strikes, 76, 65, 73, 91, 103. She was trying, dude. She was trying in that fifth round. Wow. That's impressive. I don't. I mean, you know, I saw Islam Makachev. You know, what are, what are you supposed to do? You're going to, like, these dudes in the Caucasus Mountains, man, they just have some retrograde views. Saying, you know, MMA is not a women's sport. It's like, dude, how can you say that after that shit? <laughs> like, if you wanted to say that after, like, I don't know. What's a terrible women's fight? Uh, you know, I don't know. Like like a, I, like some kind of Mackenzie Dern fight where she shows up, like, you know, 35 pounds out of her weight class. You'd be like, all right, well, maybe this ain't for him, you know, if you didn't know any better. How, how the fuck do you watch two women who are in that kind of shape who have that kind of an output, who are that technical, who are that physical, and mentally dogs, right? Mentally, junkyard dogs right here. How do you do that and look at it and be like, that's not a sport for women. It's like, dude, that's like, you. it, it quite obviously is. If you know anything about MMA, it quite obviously is. He got pilloried for it on Twitter, of course. Um, I don't know what I don't know what the fuck that was all about. But okay. Uh, let's see, quickly go through some of these other results here. Benil Darius fucking laying out Jakar Close, having the old mouthpiece bit come out. That was bad. KO in round two, one minute left. Uh, Neil Magny defeats Li Jiang Lang. Boy, he put it on him. He had a nine-inch reach advantage. And the truth is, I thought he was going to use it, but he didn't. He did a little bit, but he was better everywhere. It didn't even matter. It didn't even matter at all. Let me see this live stream, make sure it's going good. Yeah, it's going okay. Uh... In any event, so he was better everywhere, so he used it everywhere. Was really the answer there. Uh, Alex Oliveira defeated Max Griffin. That was close. Like the blood got in his way, and that kind of sort of disoriented him. But 
Um, 29-28 split apart. Sean O'Malley. Boy, is everyone glad that USADA and the relevant athletic commissions with their overzealous and bad signs-backed uh, bans put that kid on ice for two years? Everyone happy about that? Everyone feel safer? Right? Mission accomplished, anti-doping. Y'all feel good about that? Right? I mean, they fucked with that kid's career. The fact that he's as talented as he is and looked as good as he did against Jose Alberto Quinones, uh, TKO head kick and punches, 202 of the first round. You know what was really amazing about that was, first of all, like what I, I mean, the, 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 the guy, his ability to rise above the fuckery that anti doping in, in its zealotry put on him is amazing, number one. Number two, more than that, the thing I sort of take away from it all is um, he had more efficient footwork, he had better defense. And he had much better shot selection. He wasn't just kind of spamming his opponents with punches in a way he kind of used to. He looked much more disciplined, locked on. He looked awesome. Good for that kid. They put that kid through the bullshit ringer, and he came out on the other side okay because he's, he's, uh, he's, he's a great kid. And he looked awesome tonight. So I really commend Sean O'Malley for looking as good as he did. Mark Madsen defeating Austin Hubbard. Got kind of dicey there in that third round. The thing about Austin Hubbard was his corner was like, you know, really put it on him and turn it on in the third round, which was not wrong advice. It, it did it did him some good. But it's like, dude, this is what I'm talking about when I mean like, imagine you had a jab, like a really good, fundamental, hard, stinging jab you could change angles off of, you could maintain distance with, you could blind somebody with and set up combinations with. There's just the jab is so underutilized in MMA. You wouldn't have to. You wouldn't have to turn it on the third round in that way if that was a more central feature of your game. And I realize easier said than done. I'm just saying as a general trend, I see this kind of shit all the time, where it's like you see very good fighters. Austin Hubbard is a very good fighter, and he had a very good third round. But there are these fundamental pieces of people's games that you sometimes see missing in MMA because it's hard to train everything. I understand. Still, the jab seems to be like this common one where it's like, man, what the fuck. Uh, Adolfo Vieira beating Saperbeck Safarov with an arm triangle choke, 250 of the first round. I tweeted about it before DC ever got to it on the broadcast. Um, they always tell you, I, we go over all the time, if you're here, you are weak, right? If your arms are out from the side of you, you're weak. If, you're, if, you're, if your elbows are tight to your ribs, you are strong. That's why those gymnasts do the iron cross thing, right? Because they, you're, you're at this very weak point like that. So... They always kind of tell you you can you know you can lift your arms, but you have to be very careful about it in jujitsu because a, a good person will separate your elbow from your ribs, and that becomes a problem because if your elbow is away from your ribs and now it's floating out here, it's going to be hard to frame and to get your sort of center of gravity and your strongest points behind. It's going to be hard to create wedges, um, and you're just, you're going to create openings literally for people to occupy space. Go back and look at that. He scoops the elbow, and DC talked about watching Hadolfo walk his hand across, which he does. But that's not all that he did. Go back and look and watch Hadolfo sink his hips at the same time. So Safarov is getting pulled in two directions at the same time, creating all that space along the ribcage. Dude, if you've ever had a black belt, a really good black belt, and Hadolfo is one of the best we've ever had, dig an underhook on your elbow, and then you can feel them separating it and creating all that space. Dude, you are in deep shit. You're in deep shit because if even if even if they're not in mountain, they're in side control. They're finding ways to separate your elbow uh, from your from your ribs. You are in deep fucking shit. They are going to do very bad things to you. That's exactly what you saw. And then he scooped the elbow, got behind it, and he must have a fucking tremendous squeeze. Plus, you'll note that his arms on the on the uh, arm triangle 
like they weren't out in front of him. Go back and look. He had pulled himself on top of his hands. The 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 the, the, the your hand goes underneath like this, and then you grab. He had pulled himself on top of it, so now he's got all that weight, like like wrenching into uh, the grip. I mean, it just I mean everything about that was like textbook. Uh, Gerald Mearshart de- defeating uh, Deron Wynn. Deron Wynn it came in with a lot of buzz. He's got great wrestling. That foot sweep was nice, but you know, just doesn't seem to have the rest of the game put together for this level just yet. Uh, Giga Chikadze defeating Jamal Emers, which was a very competitive bout via split decision, 29-28 both ways. And then, I'm going to say his name wrong, Dana Batgarel, however you pronounce it, defeating Guido Canetti. Um, taking the inside foot position and slipping and then being first to the punch, it's like the Argentine had no chance. All right, let's take a look at your questions and then we'll get to them here. All right. Someone says you can't run from someone that isn't moving. Sure you can. If they stay still and you run, you're just running. I don't know what you mean exactly. Um, I, I, oh, I, I mean, are you saying like, oh, people might be saying, oh, Izzy was running? Is that what they were saying? Uh, which he wasn't in that sense. He was he was much more strategic than that. Um, Luke, how do you feel about referee Dan Mergliata's instructions after round two imploring the fighters to engage? I feel like it was a round too late. Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, I've seen referees admonish people for inactivity. On the other hand, it was like, dude, what, what do you want them to do? Like, clearly Adesanya has taken the position that he is going to be extraordinarily strategic about it. And like, you know, like an Iditarod dog saying mush is not going to get that to change. So, you know, I understand his frustration to a degree, but not really. Do you see Tulsi behind Wei Li after her fight? I hear she's planning to leave politics after this cycle. I think she'll start cornering fighters. What the fuck is she going to do? Hold pads? Her only value here was that I think she has an interest in fighting and maybe the particular case of Wei Li Zhang and that she has the congressional power to potentially facilitate a visa uh, process. What the fuck is she going to do after this? <laughs> you, know, you know, set up the battle ropes for people to train at the PI? Uh, did Izzy stock as a star in the UFC that uh, they're trying to build? Take a hit tonight with that performance, especially after coming, um, following JJ and Wiley. Uh, a temporary dip, probably. Uh, sure. Like if you're talking, if you're thinking about like again, the stock market's going to go up, the stock market's going to go down. But the whole bet on a 401k, in theory, is that over the long term it goes up. You get you get a nice return on your investment. Yeah, probably tonight was not the best for a star making. Potential. On the other hand, the idea that this is some kind of ruinous event and that it couldn't be easily repaired with another major and classic win in an important fight, I think would be very, very foolish to think. Was it a mistake for Adesanya to call out Romero if he knew that that was the way he would engage him? Tonight turned into a bad look for Israel, this person writes. No, because I think he wanted the name on his resume. Also, I didn't think, if you ask Israel, uh, and I'm going to try, I don't think he thought it was going to go exactly this way. I think he thought 
Yeah. Uh, I think he thought that it wouldn't go like this. I think he thought it would be a little bit more dynamic. He'd eventually land a little bit more. I think he certainly intended to be strategic. I don't think he thought if you had asked him when it was over, he was going to land 48 strikes. I think that part probably surprised him. Again, thoughts on Dan Mergliata telling the fighters to give the judges something to score. Seemed horrifically unethical. I don't know if it's unethical, um, but I, you're allowed to, I think, oh, Jesus, fuck. You're allowed to, the referee's allowed to spur action, but I just don't know how effective it's going to be. So frustrating watching Yoel, this person writes, it seemed like the Twitter community had Yoel winning, but Rogan and crew had it Izzy. What's the disconnect? Sitting cage side, a fight can look a certain way. Sitting on TV, a fight can look another one. Um, you have to just be there. You have to just understand the difference. I didn't believe it. I th I've always said this. I didn't believe that that was a real argument until I actually sat cage side for fights. And then I would go back and look at them on TV, and I'd be like, fuck. They do look different. They just look different. And until you've actually gone through the process of seeing it it sounds ludicrous it's not still a big fan of you well but dude came off a little silly acting like he wasn't a participant in the lackluster fight did he or the crowd really expect izzy to plant his feet in the pocket and swang <sighs> hard to know what he expected i don't think either of them thought it was going to go that way and i think both of them are feeling the, the sting of disappointment especially for you well when it's not really clear that he's going to get another title shot plus you know, this compounds the problems of his loss the, in, his, in his losing. Ref had no business saying, uh, give the judges something to score. Reminded me of Silva in Dubai. Yeah. I agree with this person. Riots, what a weird-ass fight. In saying that, I feel more confident Adesanya would completely destroy Paulo Costa. It'd be a very different fight, would it not? Because you'd have someone in your face. So, provided Costa doesn't absolutely obliterate him, um, which, you know, is always a potential threat. Hold on. There we go. Um, it, it, it portends greater action, I think. Someone says, I think people were spoiled by Izzy's past fights. You guys act like that's the end of them. Again, I, I, I would strongly caution you not to overread into this one. If you are disappointed by it, fine. Be disappointed by it. What am I going to say? But that this is like, oh, this is the new way he fights? For fuck's sake. Don't overstate it. Don't overstate it. Uh, Luke, all DC talks about is total strikes. It's damage that is the number one criteria. I saw Romero do that in one and two, and I thought he edged out five. I didn't see it that way, but I could understand how somebody could. I don't think that's unreasonable. Someone goes, I'm guessing these guys never watched Silva live. Uh, he had some duds, too. He had some duds. The Patrick Cote fight sucked until Cote got injured. And even then, I'm not saying it wasn't... Uh, <laughs> sorry, that sounded bad. It sounded like I was saying, like, oh, fuck Cote. That's not what I mean. But, like, the fight ended weirdly after Cote. It was, like, mildly competitive. It was competitive. And then Cote gets injured, and then it's over. And you're like, well, at least it didn't go very long. That fight was not very good either. So Silva's had some of those moments. I'm telling you, like, everyone's got these these moments like that. Um, how impactful do you think reach is? Jones and Izzy seem to abuse their reach advantage. Abuse? You mean effectively use it? And Izzy even hit him with the eye poke. Does the fighter with the reach advantage need to pressure more fight to win fights? No, you can use the reach. Well, um, 
you would want to be a little bit proactive with the reach to make sure you keep them off of you. But the eye poke is incidental, and I don't think, certainly in the case of Izzy, does he have some long history of this? Lack of strikes to counter as well as Romero not biting on feints due to his legendary chin seemed to stump Izzy. Could this be a counter to the sophisticated striking style of Adesanya? Well, in the sense that you don't get the best of Adesanya, yes. But the problem is, if you're not biting on feints and you're striking to counter and you have a legendary chin, well, how many people, first of all, have these characteristics? Second of all, the problem with that Yoel had, like he has to face up to the reality here too, is he didn't throw very much. So if you're not going to throw very much, you have very little room to complain. Like the what Adesanya does is he might limit himself to a degree, but he also limits the other person. Hang on. All right, there we are. Jesus, the chat is a fucking nightmare. So many people just want to have free sex with dudes. Um, do you th- uh, hope you enjoyed the fights as much as I did. What a co-main event. What does a win like this mean for Zhang? What are her chances to run the division the way Valentina runs hers? We'll have to see. I mean, it was a close competitive fight. Like, if they fought again, you know, you might like Yoana's chances. Um, that fight's going to be hard on her in terms of the long-term damage, so you don't want to be in too many of those. But certainly, yeah, dude, I think at this point, I think so, there was there was some belief that she had, that she was good, but that she wasn't great. And she had kind of gotten lucky against Andrade, and that Ioana was something different. And I don't think that was altogether an unfair view, but now that you've got some proof about what she can do against somebody as good as Ioana, it gives you reason to believe that uh, she's going to be a hard, hard puzzle to solve for anybody in that division. Love to see percentage of first thrown strikes in this match. Imagine this would counteract Romero's narrative of Izzy running. Izzy led the dance. Typically, yes. How impressive was it that Zhang Zhang won in what was considered a Yoana-style distance exchange fight? Well, at times, at times, remember, there was sometimes she was getting pushed back, in which case that was not the case. Also thought Darius's shout out to Whitaker was super classy. Yeah, I, he's like, I'm going to call someone out. And he's like, Whitaker, you're great. And I'm like, the dude, two weight classes above yours? You're just saying nice shit about him? I don't think that's a call out, my guy. With shades of Anderson versus Lighties, do you think Izzy can bounce back publicly by finishing Costa the way Silva did by KO and Griffin? Sure, of course. It's always your last one. He's got he got booed for this one. It's gonna hurt his stock temporarily. Now, if this is the future hall, all the fights go well. Then that's a completely different scenario. But you're asking if he if if he knocked out Romero. Oh, sorry, uh, Bohashinya, would that change things? Yeah, of course. Have you heard of this new band called COVID nineteen? It's a viral sensation. Oh, that's so funny, so funny. Adesanya fought a brilliant fight. It should be studied and emulated by future middleweights in high-level fights. However, that doesn't make it a good fight or a fight that fans should be jumping up and down to give him credit for. Well, you can't have it both ways. You can't call it brilliant and that it should be studied and that fans shouldn't be jumping up and giving him credit for. If you want to say it's brilliant and it should be studied, but it's not fan-friendly, all of that, I think, is coherent. Someone says Romero 1, 2, and 5. Because a fight could go either way doesn't mean that there's a correct way to score it. True. 
Uh, someone says, all Yoel did was wait for Izzy to engage so he could counter him. Izzy initiated nearly every exchange until the fifth. Two, three, four, Izzy. Yeah, sounds fair. Also, it should be noted, Yoel fought that fight exactly like he fought every fight. He needs a dance partner that will come after him and give him the action he needs to draw him into the type of fight that we know him come to expect from Yoel. Yeah, sure. Uh, someone says, Izzy is overrated. I said that before this fight. Well, sounds like you say dumb shit before a lot of fights then. Uh, big up from the UK. Been following your content for a long time. Only criticism is Everton are actually a good team. Well, that's sort of sad, right? I mean, to think that. I gave my Mac space aids to watch this fight, and I can't blame Adesanya for how boring it was, but how do you feel about Yoel's post-fight interview? Look, I think both those guys were kind of frustrated. I don't think either guy liked being booed. Izzy reacted to it in his way. Yoel reacted and do it his way. I always say this. If people say things, uh, fighters, if fighters say things like right after fights and you're like, what the fuck was that? Um, give them a second. Let them think about it. If they double down on it, well, then make your evaluation one way or the other. But a lot of times fighters will say things that they just say in the heat of the moment and, you know, whatever. They've been knocked out or who knows. Give them a minute. See what they say later and then judge based on that. To me, the problem with the main event this person writes was that Izzy called for Yoel and said it was about legacy. And so it seems disingenuous to then put on a stinker of a fight and then flip off the fans booing. Well, again, I don't think he thought it was going to go that way, and I think he realized how hard it was and didn't appreciate being flip, uh, booed. But sure, flipping off the fans is never going to win him to your side. right? Uh, this person writes, ESPN Plus sucks. God, does it fucking ever. It's the worst app on the fucking internet. It is so bad. It doesn't matter whether I have a browser up with a hardline connection. I have the um, app on my smart TV. Uh, my phone, it constantly crashes. It constantly has to be restarted. It's so shitty. It's hard to navigate. It fucking sucks. Someone says, you will rock Adesanya scissors. Adesanya fought like paper this fight. Three, Jiang at the end of round two is being carried. Oh, oh is being carried aloud? Yes. Being picked up if you were knocked down is, is I think, a little bit different. You have to be, you have to be able to walk under your own power. But like maybe saving someone the hassle is fine. Izzy knocked out Whitaker and Romero couldn't. He also won fight of the night in his fight with Kelvin. To call Izzy a bad and boring fighter is moronic. Right, of course. Why do you think fans have such a short memory? Because they paid for it. They've been drinking. They have certain expectations. I, I, I get it, dude. I get it. Like, What are you going to do? You're going to tell the fans it was an exciting fight? It wasn't. But all I am saying is, look at the body of work. The body of work is clear. There are certain situations where Adesanya um, is reserved to a degree. Um, as we've indicated, the Silva fight, the, the this fight, but that the overall body of work shows that he's a bad motherfucker who is not a champion by accident. He's incredibly entertaining as a speaker and has a, generally speaking, more often than not, an incredibly fight-friendly style and fan-friendly style. and um, But these people who are reserved and tricky and they lay back in the cut in the middle of fights, Adesanya kind of lets that play out, and I think that creates for a little bit of dissatisfaction. All right? All right. Um, did I miss anything? Let's see what's on Twitter real quick, and then I'll go. It's fucking late. 
Uh, okay. All right. I am going to get going. I appreciate everybody watching as usual. Subscribe to the channel. Um, appreciate everybody who donated. I'll have plenty of analysis this week. Don't overreact and everything will be fine. Okay? All right. Well, thank you guys so much for watching. I appreciate it. And until next time. God damn. Gets, wait, who gave that money? Wait, wait, wait. I didn't see this. In all seriousness, I'm drafting an email to send you seeking advice as I began to train jiu-jitsu and striking solely as a way to better understanding of MMA as well as a major weight loss building confidence. Yeah. LukeThomasNews at gmail.com. Send it to me. I will take a look at it. I'm happy to take a look at it. What is this? Just want to say thanks for everything you do. Continue to set yourself apart. It's truly one of a kind. Thank you. Your number one Donk Donkerson Jabroni fan. Thank you, Alex. And then what's this one? More of as a longtime combat sports fan, I would love to start my own podcast. However, I've never pulled the trigger due to my fear of not being allowed to comment due to never having competed. Well, join the club, my guy. So I'm up there with you. Uh, okay. Thank you guys so much for watching. I appreciate it. Get some sleep, yeah? And happy setting your clocks forward day.